0: Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and if the part two in the title didn't clue you into what is going on, this is the second conversation building on our last episode, but once again with Dr. Libby Backfish. So if you haven't listened to part one, I'd recommend you go back and do so first, then come back here and join us. If you need a refresher on Psalm 78, you can also listen to the opening of part one because we're just going to dive right in here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this I just love this. And like I talked about this with Ezekiel 34, but in verse 52, it's talking about God brought out his people like a flock. He mm. led them like sheep through the wilderness. And then down here, 71, from tending the sheep, God brings David out. It's a different word, but it's still like, same kind of stuff, right? Mm. To be the shepherd of his people. So now David has this representative role of what Yahweh's usually doing, and David shepherded them, and he led them. And again, that word led is a different word of leading throughout this thing, but it's the same metaphor. It's the same idea. Just super cool, right? It's awesome. I oh, I love it. So often we think of, like, whether or not an Old Testament text is messianic. Like, is this about Jesus? Oh, yeah. But it's And you've heard me talk about this, and it's not about that. It's like... God has this, God does stuff. He allows his people and sometimes this Davidic leader to represent him. And then Jesus steps into that in such a radically perfect way that every other Davidic leader falls short of. Why? Because he's also perfectly divine. Yeah. Like it just like reading things in the right direction makes all the difference for how it holds together. For me, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listener, what you've just heard was Libby in between. Okay, so I closed the episode. I stopped recording. Then I had to start recording again because Libby started talking so beautifully about what's going on with David in this passage. So you've heard... That is that is Libby not planning to be recorded, but it is a beautiful just drop in to us starting this episode with our second question. Libby, we've talked about a bunch of things that stood out. Mm -hmm. And we could talk, I think, a whole other episode about that. But we're going to start maybe focusing a little bit some of our reflections. Mm -hmm. Starting with this question, what do we learn or encounter about God in this psalm?
1: Yeah, what you brought up last episode about the constant back and forth between Israel's sinfulness, God's mercy... God's anger is real sinfulness, this pattern that's throughout the Old Testament. So I think we learn a lot about God's mercy and his anger. I I noted a couple verses that stood out to me. And you mentioned this before, how when the Israelites were craving quail, like the heavenly bread, which was (laughs) amazing, by the way, wasn't good enough. They also are like, oh, well, back in Egypt, we had, you know, if you go to Numbers 11, I think it is, they're complaining. They're like, we had meat, we had Cantaloupe. We had all this stuff, and so God gives it to them, and then you know it it ends up being their own downfall. Just the the beauty of God judging His people so often through their own sinfulness, letting their own sinfulness turn mm-hmm. against them. You know, not that He wouldn't be just in directly judging His people, and He could, but so often He lets us do it ourselves. Yeah, and then we kind of see that in a similar way in verse thirty-eight. He was merciful. He forgave their iniquities. He did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger yeah. and did not stir up his full wrath. So often we, we get the, our questions confused and we think, how can God be so angry against good people mm-hmm. when there are no good people? And our question should be, why does God restrain his anger so often? What would it look like if he just allowed his anger to be fully just against sin? I think we'd have a very different Bible.
0: Okay, this is really helpful, Libby, because I read verses 34 and 35. What you're saying directly ties in with one of my wrestles. Wrestles? That's not a thing, (laughs) but you you know what I mean. (laughs) Whenever God slew them, they -hmm. would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remember that God was their rock, that God Most High was their redeemer. Mm -hmm. I read that whenever God slew them and I thought, These are not modern people (laughs) (laughs) because like in our context, in my life, when I, if I think about God's, well, God, the violence of God, the judgment of God, as Christians, we tend to look at that as the problematic parts of God, Mm -hmm. the parts that we'd like to like ignore and here, like there's quote unquote, the problematic part of God Mm -hmm. and what's the response of the people? They seek him out. They turn to him. This is part of the prompt. Mm-hmm. In other words, to to go after him. And I thought, go is going exactly to what you were saying, at least in my mind, they connect. And maybe you can connect them even more eloquently. But we have such a fundamental notion of ourselves as decent, mm. good, not really deserving any kind of judgment yep. that then it suddenly skews any judgment that might be there Mm -hmm. as being unjust, extreme, Mm -hmm. unnecessary. And like, there's a part of reading this where I was just like, Oh, is there something that they, they, they understand in a deeper way about God, just, and a little bit of kind of the pre-modern world of the chaos of it that, Like there are forces beyond you that you do not control. Mm -hmm. And when they begin to act, when God begins to act, you better pay attention uh, because he is powerful (laughs) and you don't mess around with the gods, so to speak, that in our modern insulated world, maybe we're just missing. I don't know. When you were talking about the anger, it really felt like it connected to me with just some of that.
1: Yeah. And I think I hate to generalize an entire culture's worldview, but (laughs) for a large part, their worldview Recognized that there was nothing outside the domain of the gods. Yeah. And there was nothing left to chance. So if you were suffering, it was because you had done evil, probably, or because the gods so chose to make you suffer. So there, so, and there was not a reflex assumption of one's innocence or deserving any blessings right? Yeah. like there wasn't that entitlement I guess I would say but at the same time like the verses you just read yeah they were eager to turn to him again yeah and yet not very eager.
0: Oh, well, that's true.
1: Because yeah, the very, verse 36. Next, very next verse, but 36, but then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues and their hearts were not loyal to him. So you almost get the sense of, yeah, God would judge them and they would turn to him with some kind of half hearted repentance. Yeah, they were eager with quotation marks. I'm doing ear quotes right <laughs> yeah. now. But not in a genuine sense. And I think of Nineveh. Jonah goes and prophesies against the capital of Assyria. They were horrible, mean bullies. And they, quote unquote, repent. Mm -hmm. But not really. Because then they go right back to their sin. And the prophet Nahum tells us that they're wiped out. So I wonder if this is talking about something that is very reflective of our own worldview. That, oh, it hurts. I'm going to cry out to somebody. But then I'm going to go right, as soon as I'm comfy, I'm going to go right back to my own self centeredness. Yeah. And just well, go through the motions. If yeah, I go yeah, to yeah. Church on Sunday, I'm, I'm good if I'm not really that into it.
0: <laughs> Listen, if you go to church on Sunday, I'm willing to give you a lot of credit. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's really helpful, though, Libby. Yeah. I mean, and I think we can see even both both elements right happening yeah. here, but that's really helpful. Yeah. The, the semi sincere. Mm-hmm. As long as it hurts is a good phrase, yeah, for what's yeah. going on.
1: So hmm. I think there's a lot of continuity between our worldviews. I think this preaches to us, but yeah. I think like you pointed out, there might be quite a bit of discontinuity too.
0: Well, and I think one of the things we wrestled with then is it's one thing to name discontinuity mm-hmm. and then it's another thing to grapple with. The, does, the, does the differences in our worldview reflect actually a ways that we've left what God has revealed to us? in mm. his word right ah. and have we imbibed a cultural worldview that yeah insulates ourselves that says well actually god just has this little domain he's like in charge of the church and mm-hmm. like that little plot of land and then the rest of my life like science deals with that or like i'm kind of in charge of that mm-hmm. and do we sort of we sort of package god up in the nice like comfortable boxes for us mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than yes yeah, so- something closer and maybe 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 there's ways that the sort of trajectory of the biblical worldview mediates in some ways something in between. I don't know. But like when I, want, when I think of discontinuity, I'm like, hmm, maybe that should be more a corrective on my worldview than sort of a criticism of what I'm reading.
1: Yeah. Okay. You just used an expression that rocked my world. You said we kind of package God up and limit him to one sphere. Yeah. But we've got these other things that are in charge of the other spheres. When we look back at Israel and we think, how could they possibly have worshipped other gods? Because, you know, a lot of their lives, they're yeah. worshipping other idols. That's, and we just that's, think, They that's angered so, him
0: with their high places. They aroused yeah. his jealousy with their idols. Verse 58. That's yeah. so
1: silly. Why would you worship other gods? Because they packaged Yahweh up for mm. one thing, but there were all these other gods packaged up for fertility or yeah. for the weather. And they wanted to cover all their bases. Yeah. And... That's very translatable to what we do, like you just yeah, said. When we package right. Yahweh up here, but I'm going to trust my accountant for this, and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> yeah, trust yeah. science for this or whatever.
0: And that's not to denigrate, right? Like wisdom as mm-hmm. God gives it yes. to us to navigate our world. Like, I need the, an accountant, yeah, and I'm no, grateful my husband's a scientist. <laughs> right, yes, exactly. so it's not <laughs> but that, I
1: also think God is Lord over all those right. things.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things too that I was interested in it was, and I think this is continuing to build on this conversation like God's judgment and his mercy are two tools Mm -hmm. that he seems to use to try to prompt people Mm -hmm. to come back to him. Like it happens over and over in this Psalm. Like it's not just God was merciful. And so they repented. Sometimes it feels like the mercy and the relenting is the prompt to, for the people to turn back. But sometimes it's the judgment, it's God's anger rising against them. And then they Mm -hmm. Well, maybe half-heartedly turn back to him. But then it, he withholds mm-hmm. his wrath, right? And there's an opportunity for the people. Yeah. And like I was just thinking about the ways that sometimes I want to think like, okay, God's mercy is the way he draws us to himself. Mm-hmm. And then his judgment is what he sort of pronounces just when we're beyond hope. But really, I think in the psalm, we see these rhythms of both. God is God is really really invested in his people he loves his people yep. and so he's going to do whatever he can if mm-hmm. his mer- sort of applying the right tool for the moment almost Yikes. to try Jordan. to draw his people back to himself
1: yeah and that's his judgment is always connected to his mercy and love he judges yeah. so that his people will turn to him with genuine faith i love that passage in ezekiel thirty-three eleven, where god says i don't enjoy judging the wicked mm-hmm. it's my heart's desire that they turned me and be saved yeah his judgment, and especially like in the exile, was so that they would finally, finally feel a strong enough weight of judgment that they would change and love him.
0: There was this great line from Derek Kidner. He talks about the, the response to sort of almost the mockery tone. We talked about this in the last episode. Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Mm. And he kind of gives them what they craved. We talked about that. Yeah. And then judgment follows. But I loved what Kidner says. He says, God's reply to that challenge was, in fact, a fiery no mm-hmm. to the spirit of the demand and a prodigious yes to the substance of it. Oh, yeah. So, in other words, here, like, yes, I can, actually. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get more bread and you're going to get more meat. And this is the kind of God I can be for you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I can provide abundantly. Mm-hmm. And yet, the way you have asked for this we have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and what elicits his yeah, anger. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just love the way of, that way of putting it.
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: Shall we talk about our last question? Yes. How does this Psalm help us to pray? We've been talking about ourselves all the way through, which I think has been helpful. But uh, when it comes to our praying, how does it help us?
1: Yeah. So I'll go back to what we discussed in the last episode, those first eight verses mm-hmm. in psalm 78 talking about passing on the knowledge and remembrance of god to future generations and that we should encourage them to know the deeds of god which will encourage them to obey god i think that helps us to pray for god to help us to know him better um and it encourages us to pray so that we know god better Mm -hmm. and so that we will be spiritually formed in such a way that we can obey him and reflect his image and be the people God wants us to be so just that whole order of knowing God and trusting him so that we can obey him I think that can be reflected in Mm -hmm. what we pray for and it can also motivate our prayers if prayers are how we um, come into God's presence in a special way and experience his presence and listen to him and know him then that's something we should be doing a lot of
0: Mm -hmm. So that's so good. One of my questions, and I don't have an answer for this question, so this is unfair, but uh, well, it's not unfair. It just means it's maybe a better question. Like I was thinking about the ways that this psalm could be a model for prayer, Mm -hmm. and we can certainly pray with God's people the exact events of this psalm. As we talked about, there's plenty of overlap, Mm -hmm. plenty of commonalities. We could think about praying maybe like the Apostles' Creed Mm
1: -hmm. in a
0: way like this, but then I was wondering how... Is it possible, is it appropriate to pray our own stories? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that, <laughs> that's helpful. But tell, tell, like, I'm curious a little bit about, like because we talked in the first episode about this, there's the events and then there's the sort of meaning mm-hmm. of the events. And one of the things that I was wrestling with is how appropriate is it for me to be praying and processing the meaning of the events mm-hmm. in my life without without necessarily owning sort of that I have some kind of particular revelation of what God has done. I'm just curious Mm. what your thoughts are about that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we do this subconsciously when we're praying, right? When we repent, we're recounting stories. Yeah. When we give thanks, we're recounting stories of God's graciousness in our lives. So we're going to be recounting our stories and we're going to be interpreting those stories Uh fallibly. but even so. So it's just a matter of whether or not we do it subconsciously or if we do it deliberately, asking for God's guidance to help us understand mm. those stories well. Our mm. prayers are never going to be perfect, but it doesn't mean we you know, if we if we try to cut out all the potentially imperfect parts of our prayer, we're gonna be very silent. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I know I need to be silent more often, but <laughs> mm. yeah. So I think that we, that's, I think it's a model for us to reflect on our own past and what has God done in our lives, in the lives of our church, our nation, yeah. our extended family. And there's room in there for communal repentance. There's room in there for personal repentance and also Thanksgiving. And I think that's a beautiful way of just extending this psalm and the spirit of the psalm into our own lives and finding our own history in connection with it.
0: Mm. Okay, well, I just want to prod a little bit more on on this cuz I, I I find that really helpful. Like we're going to be telling these stories anyway. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we bring them with a humility to God in prayer? Mm-hmm. But one of these things one of the things that Psalm does is it's very explicit about God's judgment and the ways he works in his judgment. Mm-hmm. And so I think instinctively when I think about my own prayers, it feels very natural and comfortable for me to give thanks mm-hmm. for what God has done. It feels very natural and Uncomfortably comfortable for me to repent of the things that I know, but naming and reflecting on moments in my life or in the church's life or Mm. in the nation's life that I would identify as God's judgment feels a lot trickier. So I'm curious, like, if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Well, it's trickier because we don't know right. what sad parts of our lives are a result of God's judgment or yeah. of just the brokenness of the world. And we get into sticky territory if we start pointing our fingers at judgment. Right. And yeah. As some church leaders have done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to the right. church's yeah, yeah, peril. So the Israelites had the benefit of prophets who said, hey, this exile coming up, the Assyrians invading, that's judgment. That's mm-hmm. directly God's hand. So maybe we just need to be more cautious when it comes to naming God's judgment. Mm. We don't know if it's because of his judgment and therefore for the purpose of correction or if it's just a part of the brokenness of creation and therefore a reminder of the work that we need to do as co-laborers to to redeem creation. So yeah, that's a good point. We need to be careful with that.
0: Yeah. I feel like to what you were saying about if if we don't recognize that our prayers or if we're not going to pray the fallible parts of our prayers... We'll just be silent. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder too, if there's a way to think about our stories and to ponder the judgment of God, mm-hmm. the possibility, because mm-hmm. I think one of the things mm-hmm. that this Psalm opens up for me is the possibility of God acting in these ways. Yeah. Again, as we were talking about earlier to draw me, to draw his people mm-hmm. back to himself. And so there's a way in which the humility suddenly becomes can we can sort of be so humble that we sort of become ignorant mm. of that possibility. Yeah. You know, there is also the danger of the overinterpretation like mm. you're saying where everything or whatever we want to be God's judgment <laughs> is mm-hmm. his judgment and those people got judged and so on and so forth and the, you, we know the abuses that, that can look like. But I wonder if there's a there's a humble approach that says something like God, I'm wa- I wonder if. Mm-hmm. And help me be attuned to any ways this might have been. I don't know. Or maybe that's too sticky.
1: No, I love it. I'm even thinking like Psalm 139 now where it's talking about God knowing us and searching us. Mm. And then the psalmist asks God to know and search us. And if there's anything sinful in me, call it out. Yeah. So I think there's an invitation for judgment and, and a prayer that we would respond faithfully.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a kind of posture that approaches this prayer. I mean, the irony the irony maybe of what we're talking about is it is a posture that this psalm is constantly pointing to the people not having. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Right. And the end of the psalm kind of ends in this interesting place where I kind of feel like we're just waiting for the next sort of but the people turned away. Mm-hmm. And yet the way that David is archetypal and ultimately we see Jesus, right? God god's relentlessness Mm. right we haven't seen the fullness of his relentless love for his people yet in psalm 78 Mm -hmm. but the way it it projects forward and will project forward there's there's hope there for sure
1: yeah i think you landed the plane perfectly there but i'm just excited because you mentioned so suffering happens in this psalm to the israelites because of their sinfulness yeah it's judgment yeah suffering happens to david and to other psalmists because of, because of the brokenness of the world. Mm. And so we have this image that really starts in the Psalm before here, 77 and, and, and other places of a, of a suffering psalmist and particularly a suffering David. We see that picked up in the prophet Isaiah with a suffering servant, which all builds into this messianic expectation that the person who's gonna lead us and represent us is gonna be suffering, but not in the same way that Israel's suffering. It's going to be suffering as an innocent representative yeah so even though we land with david not really seeing that innocent suffering we see suffering for the purpose of judgment it almost like invites us to look ahead at that different kind of suffering maybe mm. You think
0: sure yeah yeah i don't know no i mean well let's see we've taken the psalm all the way back to eden so it's appropriate that we'll take it all the way forward to Jesus and beyond, right? Yeah. No, that if if I'd landed the plane, it was just a little skip on the runway, and now you've landed us beautifully. <laughs>
1: Libby, so. Well, it's too muddy for a plane <laughs> to land muddy. we're wallowing in the mud, remember? That's right.
0: Well that's me. You're you're on the firm ground of basking in the Lord's glory. So <laughs> Well, Libby, thanks so much for having this extended conversation on Psalm 78. I've enjoyed it a ton. I feel like I've learned a ton in reflection and thinking about these things. I can speak for the listeners with confidence that they're grateful for your voice and uh, your reflections as well. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. It's a blessing.
0: Friends, go out and continue to pray the Psalms.